0: Hello and welcome to the second ever episode of the Figure Podcast, in which each week we figure out people, numbers, and images of the past, present, and future. Shah? <laughs>
1: I feel like Shah just becomes part of That the is end. your name! <laughs> no, it no, becomes part of the intro.
0: Yeah, I know. I do have a question, and I'm gonna start this episode by asking you. Uh, what has this week meant to you? So
1: this week has meant a lot of looking forward to going home, being Mm -hmm. at home and coming back from home. that was so succinct I'm so impressed <laughs> <laughs> and home is in Scotland so it's a long train yeah, journey it is a really down. long way for yeah. uh, but I absolutely loved it I had beautiful beautiful weather um, as I'm sure lots of people did on this wonderful bank holiday absolutely um, and it's just really lovely to catch up with everybody mm. and see some of my best friends and see my dog who was a Labrador, a black lab, by the way. Called Zara. Called Zara, who was Um, amazing. (laughs) And go for lovely long walks. And I had a very, very long train journey in which to read some interesting articles about what we'll be talking about this week. Mm -hmm. And I also listened, not listened, watched several episodes of The Bold Type. It was recommended to me by Mary, who's one of my best friends. Mm -hmm. And it's basically, I think you would love it. It's like devil wears prada meets sex in the city but today and it's okay. really fun and quite chick flicky at the same time as exploring really interesting feminist issues and things like a girl getting trolled on twitter and how she copes with that and journalist pieces about various different mm. relationships and mm. uh, fashion and i, I actually find of, it
0: really interesting when you're li- watching a tv show that has modern day themes represented in it such as trolling such as yeah whatever it is whatever scandal it is, and you think oh yeah. my gosh that's weird to see played out in and, character well, okay so
1: that's actually happening and the reason i compared it to sex and the city is because we both love sex in the city i think it just mm-hmm. never gets old you still can learn so much from those shows and i think that it had an amazing balance of fun And easy to watch at the same time as exploring quite deep issues. Mm -hmm. And then female friendship comes forward as the defining theme of that entire show. Sounds like a show I'd like. Yeah. And the bold type is kind of similar, but with three girls. Mm -hmm. That's cool. I'm really enjoying that. And I would highly recommend that. Fantastic. So that has been your... That's been my week. week. What has your
0: week meant to you? So I, like you, also ventured outside of London. I went to the Southwest, back to Plymouth. Um, and I also had a very long train journey, and on that train journey, but not as long as mine, not as long as yours. <laughs> but, yeah, it, it's not as long. Um, and I had my very old friend as company, um, also known as Graham Norton. Um, <laughs> I love him, and I often say that I would marry him if he wasn't gay because um, he makes me laugh so much. <laughs> <laughs> um and i am so obs- did you watch him or listen to him watch i watched the so i had about th- four episodes of the graham norton show backed like downloaded was on there my a stand one of the four i like the vanessa kirby one. <gasps> oh, i love her she's she's so great her episode her. of love stories with dolly alderton is amazing i know i know um i'm also obsessed with the book i'm reading um which is the kite runner very late to the game Um, but But I love it not as late as me because I I haven't read it I love it I cannot stop reading it only Graham Norton could could prize (laughs) me away from from
1: reading the book Um, and it was amazing those kind of books where you get right to the end And you just can't wait to see what happens. And then you get to about three or four pages left and you actually think, no, I don't want this to end. Mm. I love those books. And the last one that I read like that was the Jojo Moyes series. So I'd read Me Before You ages ago.
0: I need to read the Jojo Moyes series. They're so
1: good. Yeah. They're really, um, just very heartwarming. Very easy to read. Really comforting. Mm. And just beautiful. So, our first figure is Dame Tessa Jowell. She has done so, so much in so many different areas. And for those of you who don't know, so she was a Labour MP. Mm -hmm. She died about a month ago I think about three weeks, yeah, three, weeks three weeks ago, weeks ago. Um, from a brain tumour glioblastoma um, which was incredibly sad but that is one of the inspiring things about her the way that she talked so honestly and openly about her cancer absolutely one of many incredible things about this woman mm. but I think I think to say, you know at, at the at her
0: core she was a Labour MP for, uh, for Dulwich and West Norwood Um, was her constituency that she represented for 21 years.
1: Wow. Yeah.
0: And she stepped down in order to go for mayor of London, but was unsuccessful.
1: And she was against
0: Sadiq Khan, Sadiq Khan, who is now the mayor of
1: London. Mm -hmm.
0: Um, And, however, she was also Britain's first ever public health minister, which I didn't know. First ever. Fun fact. Apparently. So that, it not that was George's, just fun fact. Yeah, apparently, so, <laughs> apparently that wasn't a created role before. Wow. Her. And in doing in being the public health minister, that's where Sure Start was born. Because she was made public health minister in 97. And then in 98, Sure Start was created. So tell me about Sure Start. What is that okay. all about? So Sure Start is a government-run programme targeted at parents and children under the age of four, specifically living in the most disadvantaged areas of Britain. So, And is that across Scotland and Wales as well as England? Yes, and Northern Ireland. Okay. Northern Ireland. Yeah. Um, and it's basically, Sure Start was, its aim was to deliver a variety of, sort of services which were designed to support children's learning, health, well-being and mm-hmm. emotional development. But, complementing all of the local services within those communities. Brilliant. And aiding them. So it was quite connective in that way. Completely connective. And it was basically just sort of going, okay, we've got families who are, you know, they don't know where to go to for advice Mm -hmm. or help. um, And they set up, I think, over 3,000 centres across the UK. Wow. Um, And it's basically just targeted at ability to learn, health and social development of children under four, and their parents Mm. and also amazingly so much help for young mothers she just really shone this Mm. platform on targeting um social immobility really yeah so
1: when did you first find out about tessa jowell um i first found out about tessa jowell
0: i think around the time of the olympics which we will come to In a moment, because she
1: was the uh, culture secretary for many years under Tony Blair. And she was the one who really drove through that bid for the UK in 2005. Yeah.
0: She was the one who was just like, we need London to be Mm -hmm. on the map. It's going to be great for us in terms of our profile, but also to develop parts of London that completely needed to be developed. So that's when I first heard about her. She did so much for women's health. And the
1: 7-7 victims.
0: Yeah, I think the, <laughs> list, the list goes on. And especially with the tobacco, that was really interesting for me. She actually made all advertising for tobacco, um, I, think, I think it was banned
1: from July 2001.
0: Mm. Um,
1: and I think she can you remember going to a restaurant and having a smoking area and a non-smoking area yeah I don't know that I can remember that because smoking you could smoke in in restaurants I think
0: until 2005 this was was advertising and the reason that they were so um, insistent on banning advertising is because in the US they had actually banned it before we did in the late 90s and there was apparently a reduction in young people taking up smoking Right. And so the UK thought, okay, we're going to have
1: to get behind this. And on that point, I've got two things to say. One Mm. is, do you remember watching Mrs. Doubtfire? Yes. I always remember that (laughs) film in association with smoking in restaurants. Yeah, yeah. Because there was the whole smoking, -smoking, non-smoking, hilarious change of woman, not a woman, woman, not a woman. Yeah, Yeah. And it made me laugh so much that that wouldn't have such a great film. But obviously that wouldn't have been possible if there hadn't been Mm. the uh, smoking, non-smoking areas of the restaurant Mm. um the second point is that i read this really quite sobering article which was about 22 countries that they studied and Mm. the advertising that takes place around schools in various different countries of cigarettes and tobacco and they have things like flavors that would appeal to younger people and children they sell individual cigarettes which is obviously more affordable and therefore more whereas now you can only buy a 20 pack can't even buy 10 when i started uni in 2014 you could buy a 10 pack i didn't even know that that had yeah. changed yeah wow yeah yeah but um going back to the olympics mm-hmm. as well so this is how i first found out about tessa gel because she was a judge and speaker at this education program that my dad ran which was called inspire aspire mm-hmm and we will link below so that people can find out more about it if they're interested but basically it was a competition in schools and the children would create a poster which was made up of their drawings and writings and thoughts on where they want to go in their lives who inspires them and for this particular program it was around the athletes and of the olympics and paralympics Mm. and around the olympic and paralympic values so Mm. things like determination and courage and teamwork and Mm. um just all and i think even just like the kindness and all of that trust i think is one of the values um And it's just such an inspiring program it was amazing to meet all of these people who were involved in the program and there have been hundreds of thousands of people who've done it but tessa jowell was a speaker and judge as part of that and so i met her at the olympic um well not at the stadium but within the olympic Mm grounds um in london Mm. and it was just so wonderful to hear her speak meet her Um, And she was just this ray of complete sunshine. Um, That's what everyone says about her, and all of the articles that have come out since she passed away, that
0: everyone just. I think Alistair Campbell wrote an obituary. Yeah. There have been so many There's a really, really brilliant
1: podcast that he did um, as part of a BBC interview, Mm. um, which we will also link. And he's just talking about his friendship, I guess, more than anything else um, with Tessa Jowell. Absolutely. And I think the one thing that has stood out from everything that I've read or listened to in relation to her is how she always was thinking of others. Absolutely. And this comes across in all of her policies and. The obituary in The Guardian um, that we read is describing her as the people's politician. And she also, over, yeah, and overcame the the political divide.
0: Mm-hmm. I think um, Shawstar specifically was something that I think both parties could agree on. Um, and she was very much about trying to get everyone to be working together. And that's why they kind of... Her the people's politicians yeah. because it was very much about the people it wasn't about the party agenda and mm-hmm. also just another insight into Tessa Jow and um, this I found quite amusing I think you'd quite like this <laughs> so obviously she was hugely um, responsible for why we had the Olympics in 2012 and we have an amazing photo of her um, it's going to be on our Instagram of her uh, and you can see behind that the stadium is constructed behind her which is great but um, I was reading an article about her and the Olympics and she's such an advocate for women's health, especially sexual health. And what she did was, I don't know if you remember this rumour, but I remember at the time there was a rumour going round that there were a few STIs being spread around the Olympic village because all the athletes were hooking up kind of Oh after. my God,
1: yes, I do remember that. Do you remember that?
0: And she, so she apparently um, made an a con like she was like we need to give condoms away to everybody <laughs> because quote she said this all these athletes with very beautiful bodies once the games are over they're all going to be having lots of sex <laughs> And that's was, what she said I was like that's so amazing yeah that's what she said so she made sure that there were condoms readily available throughout the entire Olympic Games <laughs> I just love that she was like all these little athletes with
1: beautiful bodies are going to have lots
0: of sex <laughs> <laughs> oh my god that's
1: amazing that reminds me of um, that film Wimbledon yes you know, about the, yes. the man who's training to become a Wimbledon champion mm. and he's basically not allowed to have sex with whoever the, what was her cursed and danced, yeah but what's the, the name of the character i can't remember a i long can't long remember his that. name either it. anyway yeah. um and yeah because then there wouldn't be he wouldn't have enough energy for his
0: game <laughs> well that's like when the the so the games are over then then they can have sex and so there will be a lot of sex <laughs> and i think that it, it definitely summed up her political career in the sense that she was not afraid to just go for it that yeah. is obvious. That is an obvious thing that is going to happen. And if you mm. do not provide condoms, then we're going to have a lot of STIs. STIs. <laughs> and
1: I think, I think that, was, that was so human of her to just be yeah. like, well, this is going to happen. Let's just deal with it. Mm. I think that was a perfect attitude to have. So just talking about the Olympics more generally, have you got a favourite moment from the Olympics 2012?
0: Um, I have a personal memory in our kitchen of Teddy and I watching the first medal that Mo Farah got, I think it was Super Saturday.
1: Okay. Um, Who Oh, what an amazing day. Absolutely. Never we were forget about to, Super Saturday. to get on the
0: tube to meet you in Richmond to drive to Suffolk for, for the weekend. So we in the kitchen we drove from Richmond that seems like a weird thing to have done yeah you picked us (laughs) up at Richmond I think we're at Gillian's okay (laughs) that makes sense Um, (laughs) that makes loads of sense Um, and we were just in the kitchen we were kind of watching it we sort of thought oh this is cool and then all of a sudden he literally goes from middle of the pack and then is running towards the finish line and we were just screaming at the TV and I can remember it like it was yesterday and then Greg Rutherford gets a goal ten minutes later Oh, and then so someone good. else got a gold, and it was just like, "Oh my god!" And I remember Andy Murray was also playing at the same was it time. Was Jessica Ennis on that day as well? Yes, or... Jessica Ennis. Mm. Um, and I remember that Andy Murray was playing. We were listening to it on the radio, and um, I think he got silver in the end. But with doubles, he was playing doubles with Laura.
1: But he won Robinson. the.
0: But he did. He beat Federer. But that yeah. was that. Was, I think that was the that was earlier. But Brilliant. yes, that was my favorite moment. Was was watching Mo Farah kind of just smash it. <laughs> it, was, it took me completely by surprise. I think it took a lot of people by surprise.
1: Yeah. My memory is also <laughs> to do with Mo Farah. And mm. it was when we were staying with my godparents. I also have another memory, but I'm going to say after
0: <laughs> you. But I have another amazing memory. But yes. <laughs> okay.
1: <laughs> um, the Olympics just gets people so excited. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, we were staying with my godparents in the middle of nowhere in Scotland. And... We went to a pub because the pub had t- a TV mm-hmm. and Mo Farah was running and my dad used to be an amazing runner um, and he did steeplechase, which is a very weird event because it looks so like weird. you're just kicking people with water. But he was very good at it and um, he has always been a big Mo Farah fan mm-hmm. and so he couldn't miss watching this race. Mm. And so we went along and it was quite a quiet pub you know, everyone's just minding their own business, having a pint. And my dad is about a foot away from the TV, in the, in the corner, just screaming yeah. like Mo Farah could hear him, obviously. Yeah. And we're all just thinking, do we, do we join in? Do we pretend we don't know him? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but it just sums up how passionate and excited people yeah, got about absolutely. Team GB and absolutely. everything that we managed to achieve in that Olympics. And I think also what more generally what the Olympics represents in that... It is these incredible values of determination and everybody striving to do the best that they can. But also the legacy in terms of Mm. Britain and specifically the East End of London. Yeah. And the sport that is now done in across the country. Yeah, absolutely. And also all the
0: British cyclists, all the British swimmers. It was just so... And this is Tessa Jowell's Incredible. vision. Incredible for this Britain. This was so much yeah. a part
1: of her bit. Yeah.
0: Laura Trott. Laura Trott. I mean, complete girl boss. I mean, she was younger than us when she got her first gold.
1: Really? Literally.
0: And my second favourite memory of the Olympics was actually... I was going to ask you. When we were in Suffolk, we were watching the men's 100 metres. Usain now, Bolt. Usain Bolt is an absolute genius, and I love him, and... I hope one day in my life I will meet him because oh, me I just too. think he's just incredible. He would be such a
1: good dinner party guest. He would be amazing. If you could have your dream list of dinner party and people, I, and I rem, and I
0: remember that he, it was there was a lot of pressure. Although he'd him. eat a lot of chicken nuggets. Sorry. Yes, that's that's true, and I know how I feel. I don't, know how, I don't know how I feel about that. If um, we <laughs> can get vegan ones and don't tell him. And. There was so much pressure on Bolt to retain this title. I mean, so much. And men's 100 metre is probably the most exci- one of the most exciting events it of is. the Olympics. Yeah. And I just thought, I felt sick for him. <laughs> and I couldn't imagine what he must be feeling. So he comes out, chilled out. He basically looks he's, like he's going to the beach. He's standing there, and literally the camera pans over to him, and he's just chatting up the line girl. <laughs> just really casually just chatting her up flirting away Like and he's in it's like
1: Jamaican yeah kind in of.
0: his sort of warm up gear she's literally standing there like oh my god he's flirting with me what do I do like should I react should I not react back. and she was just kind of like being quite coy and I think everyone at that moment was like oh, I wish that we were right now to sort of experience this this is so much pressure on this one guy and he's just being very casual about yeah. it such a performer yeah and obviously he smashes it maybe
1: he'll become an actor
0: a oh, t-shirt. He, he should I'm a big fan. Yeah, I love him. I think it's great. Me too. Okay. I had a question mm-hmm. that I just remembered that I wanted to ask you about the Olympics. What is your favourite sport
1: to watch? Ooh. And what is your favourite sport to do? Oh, that's such a good question. Um, <laughs> oh, I think that... It's really hard. I'd say that my favourite sport to watch is athletics track Mm -hmm. i was gonna answer gymnastics because i love watching the gymnastics as well but Mm. sometimes their backs bend so much (gasps) that i become quite empathetic in terms of the pain Mm. and i used to do gymnastics Mm. context yes um from about seven for about 10 years Mm. um and there is some yoga poses now which i can't do because of um wrist and lower back issues which is all to do with gymnastics but i don't regret it at all and i say that gymnastics is my favorite sport to do still okay so that's your favorite sport to do but to watch to watch is athletics because i just find it so impressive and it's so exciting yeah i just absolutely love it but more generally when the olympics isn't on i'd say that it's tennis amazing yeah how about you okay um it's only fair i suppose to answer my question
0: <laughs> i think my favorite sport to do is swimming love swimming uh, so that would be my least favorite I, i've always loved swimming and i think my favorite to watch is either rowing because gb are really good at rowing oh yeah and i just get so excited rowing's good and i think athletics track as well mm-hmm. so yeah that would be my favorite Oh, I love talking about the Olympics. It's amazing. (laughs) I can't believe we have to wait another two years for the next one. Well,
1: we've got the Commonwealth Games coming up in Birmingham. Absolutely. Team GB repping. The second figure that we're going to be talking about today is that 66.4% voted yes to repeal the Eighth Amendment in Ireland. So, G, do you want to tell people a bit more about what this amendment was about in case they Mm -hmm. didn't know very much about it? So, the Eighth Amendment of the Constitution of
0: Ireland basically states that there is an equal right to life of the woman and of the unborn. And this was... um, voted in in 1983 the amendment was i guess changed to um give that equal right of life and to allow abortion in circumstances where the life of the pregnant woman was at risk however there is incredible limitations to that Mm -hmm. it basically means to the point where the woman is literally nearly dead do they actually intervene and from 1861 um, abortion had been a, a criminal offence. So essentially in 1983, there was this referendum in order to sort of make those cases that were super, 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 super extreme to be allowed, but everything else was, was not Was a criminal offence. And funnily enough, this is a fun fact, which I haven't told you yet, but the result of the vote in 1983 of the amendment, um was actually so similar to the numbers on Friday. So there was 67% in favour and 33% against. Interesting. Mm,
1: Isn't that interesting? So how did you feel on Friday? I had been listening to lots about it and I think the thing that I was actually most worried about was what we've seen in previous referendums in that people don't really know what they're voting for. Mm -hmm. So in several Women's Hour episodes, which we will link below, there's been some amazing coverage of this referendum on Women's Hour, as there always is. I
0: don't even think we knew, necessarily until we listened to those Women's Hours, that it was actually, this is a referendum to amend the constitution, it's not whether we pass abortion or legalise abortion, it's about amending it. Yeah. And then actually a whole separate law has to be put through legislation in order to actually get that into effect. Exactly. Which I didn't realise. I thought it
1: was like, "Are oh, you for or against abortion?" No, and it wasn't phrased like that. That's not no. That's not actually the issue. It's no. basically this clause which says that the woman and the f- fetus have the same right to life. Yeah. Which therefore has an effect on abortion laws right. within Ireland. Um. So that's something that I had picked up from listening to these interviews. But I think that the campaigners maybe became quite aware of that issue. And I I, be, I don't know what it was actually like, obviously, in Ireland, but I know that loads of people flew home. Yeah. And there was actually a campaign, there was a crowdfunding campaign. Mm. Did you read about that? Mm. Which had so much money of funding people to go home so that they could vote Amazing. and um, yeah. voice their opinion on yeah. this issue. And I just think it was. it's a really big turning point for not only Ireland, but just globally, Mm. because there are so many countries that still have abortion as illegal. Um, So, for example, Sri Lanka and Indonesia, uh, what were the other ones I looked up? There there were a couple on the list, lots of um, African countries. Mm. um, Even countries like um, Croatia and Poland, their
0: abortion... Poland? Yeah, their abortion... Well, Poland, I mean, have their whole own abortion battle um and protests ensuing but um those countries actually have less than 12 weeks yeah how did
1: you feel on friday i felt nervous
0: on friday um and the reason i felt nervous was because i've grown up in the uk i've grown up knowing that i can get an abortion for free on the nhs anonymously should i need it Mm -hmm. without any questions asked um if i'm you know for whatever reason And I didn't realise actually what a privilege that is until I started looking at all of the island legislation and all of the island, like all of those sort of campaigns. And also in America, we've always known that even something like contraception, you still have to pay ridiculous
1: amounts for, and healthcare isn't free there. Yeah. So I think that what I found most shocking about the research and the coverage that this whole campaign has had up to and afterwards is it's the personal stories that have come out mm-hmm. and it's these women who've had to get on a plane tell their family and friends that they're going for a lovely long weekend in Liverpool or London or wherever they're going I didn't even to even realize the reality of that so when you say that a place, you know there's a country where oh, abortion
0: isn't legal you don't think for a second about those personal stories and about mm-hmm. the fact that seven women a day fly to britain Seven women a day. And thousands a year. Thousands a year. Three women a day buy illegal pills online to try and induce their own abortion. And I think that it's... What I found... My over, The overwhelming conclusion I got from the campaign was just because abortion is illegal in Ireland does not mean it does not happen in I Ireland. I
1: completely agree.
0: All that, that is All that is happening is they are just pushing the burden
1: onto the UK. Yeah, it's just, it's a it's a different attitude towards it, and I think that my answer to anybody who's asked me about what I think about this referendum is that if you think that abortion is right or not, it actually is not, it is maybe a mm. consequence of this referendum, but it's mm. not what this referendum is about. It's mm. basically about abortion is going to happen if y- it's legal or not yeah this is about making it legal Ab- and safe Absolutely. and supported Absolutely. and of av- right. like free it's about reproductive health care yeah
0: and that again like i said earlier is something as a british uh, U- a woman from the uk kind of i just sort of i'm so lucky that we have contraception available we have an inc- incredible clinics Um, that are so amazing, full of incredible healthcare professionals, whether you're worried about an STI or whatever it is. And they see for free your notes and your records are separate from your GP records. So Mm -hmm. they're completely separate. You're completely anonymous. And that is incredible. Mm. And I think that is what the issue is. It's about reproductive healthcare. It's about being safe. It's about making sure that the woman is in complete control of her body.
1: And it's not going to be sent to jail. I know, for 14 years. It's just years. crazy. 14 years. That's ridiculous.
0: And also all the healthcare professionals that helped her as well. Yeah. So the doctors, the nurses, 14 years. Um, and I think what is also very harrowing is that in cases of rape and incest, um, that the woman who had the abortion would be put in prison for longer than the rapist.
1: Yeah. Which is just Bubek. ludicrous. Yeah. It just completely... Mm makes no sense at all. Is there a specific story that stands out to you in um, when you were looking into this?
0: Um, I read quite a few stories about um, patients that had cancer um, and chemotherapy is not allowed um, in cases where women are pregnant when they find out they have cancer. And um, this is true whatever phase of the pregnancy you may be in. So you may be uh, very maybe you know in the first trimester
1: so if you're a woman and yeah. you're diagnosed with cancer yeah and you are pregnant you're pregnant not allowed chemo. you're not allowed to have chemotherapy no, because that can affect the life of the
0: baby and because the right of life is equal for fetus and mother
1: okay you're not allowed to have chemotherapy and there have been cases where the women have died died of cancer of, of the, the cancer. of the cancer yeah 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 either before or after they've given birth I think that for me, the most shocking cases have been around this fetal, fatal, fetal development. Is mm-hmm. that, am I saying that right? Yeah. Um, when for example, the skull of the fetus hasn't developed or whatever mm. it is means that that baby is not going to survive. Mm. Like anencephaly, which
0: is basically, um, sort of similar to what I guess you're talking about, what a major part of the brain, um, doesn't actually develop. And it's because in the very early days of pregnancy, the neural, there's a a neural tube defect, okay. Um, in layman's terms, um, where it fails to close, so therefore, you don't have the brain developing, you don't have the skull developing. Yeah, um, it's actually very unlikely that you can carry a baby like that to term, even if you do, it can die in the delivery or it may have several hours.
1: Um, and that's but this is what several women have been going through for years do, yeah. in Ireland because the law says that they've got to carry these babies to absolutely, term. Absolutely, absolutely, and I, I saw this.
0: Oh, it was awful. This this interview of this couple who, you know, it was their second pregnancy. They were told their baby had anencephaly, um, and the doctors said that there was, you know, nothing they could do. You're gonna have to carry this baby to mm. term. And she made the decision. She said, "This is this is not how I want this child to live for nine months." Completely. So they flew to Liverpool, and they said that they were on this Ryanair flight. It was sort of 7 a.m., and they just sort of thought, how many women
1: on this plane are we going to see in the clinic tomorrow and actually they saw quite a few and what I found out also through this guilty feminist episode on Repealing the 8th Mm. which had a woman who had a baby of the same condition it was her first pregnancy Mm. she was living in London so she didn't have this no offering of a termination of pregnancy they would never have said you've got to carry this baby to term Mm. but I think that she didn't realise how much that helped because she lived in london she's from ireland but she wasn't in ireland at the time Mm. and there were also stories on this podcast which we will link of women coming and flying over and some people who can't afford i mean they can barely afford to do that trip in the first place Mm. and they can't afford to have a hotel room which means that they are getting the earliest flight there having the procedure and then Flying and then home. flying home that evening. Mm. And there are several charities which have been set up to help fund women do this. Mm. But having, deciding to have an abortion and having an abortion is traumatic enough without adding completely the lies going into a weekend away the waiting that you've got to add onto that, because obviously you can't have an appointment straight mm. away because you've got to arrange the whole moving That's transport You may effort. have to save up for it. Beforehand. You may have to save up for a bit. Mm. And another article that I read, which we will also link, um, written by, by this, Kate Norris. Yes, Kate yeah. Norris. And she's incredibly honest about her opinion. Mm. And she talks about how they had to save up for four weeks, mm. which is an extraordinary amount of time to have to think... And to, to process it and to go through that. that's
0: horrendous.
1: And I think that something that brings me on to one of the questions I wanted to ask was what, I don't, how do you feel that long-term relationships change your attitude to abortion or does it remain the same? Because Kate Norris Mar- was in a long-term relationship. She now isn't in that long-term relationship. Okay,
0: so this is my personal, I guess, story. Not story, I haven't had an experience of an abortion or a pregnancy. Um, but when I was younger, I, again, growing up in the UK, I just automatically thought, oh my god, of course I'll have an abortion, I'll have an abortion without even thinking about it. That's the default. Having been in a long term relationship, I don't think that would be my default
1: view anymore. But I think this is the power of this label pro-choice mm. that as we were talking about last week it mm. all comes down to that individual's choice absolutely no matter, and matter that what choice,
0: age no matter what relationship stages, no matter what circumstance, so i'm only talking about my view right at this moment now that doesn't mean my view is not going to change in a few years um it, it, i don't know and mm. also i think as well that i saw this incredible tweet um by matt haig which basically said i know which basically said um, I really want to try and find it so I can actually read it out. But it basically, he said that this is not about liking abortions. No one likes abortions. This is about giving women, you know, a, a, a right to have control of their own bodies and actually make that decision for themselves. Yeah. And I think that's really important to really, really emphasize is that no one is liking abortions. And also, I feel like personally, I'm pro life. I'm pro life. I want everyone to live and I want everyone to be happy. Just because I believe that a woman can have an abortion when she feels that that's right for her does not mean I'm not pro life.
1: I yeah. hate that label. I know that I wanted to talk to you about the labels mm-hmm. actually because so you're basically saying that you can be both pro life and pro choice. Yes, absolutely. I'm completely pro life. Mm.
0: I want everyone to I want everyone to live and be happy. And if you don't believe in abortion, then
1: you never have to have one. Like it's mm. just Yeah. Or at least we hope that you never have to have one. You may mm. end up having to have it because of medical reasons. Absolutely. Yeah, I think that it becomes um, a very black and white world, which we talk about all the time, Mm. that people get... It's become so divisive, and you go into two camps, and you can't kind of have... You can't have the both. Absolutely. You can't be... It sort of becomes an either-or. Absolutely. And my view was very black and white until a certain age, and now it's very grey. And I think that's very normal. But so just to read out some of the the words that they used for the different campaigns... Mm. So the no vote talked about protect the eighth and love both. Yes vote was in her shoes and together for yes. And I think together for yes has such a power to bring mm. people together. Genders as well. Totally.
0: Okay, so our third figure um, is actually an image of a scuba diver in Bali. Um, this is a man who has lived in Bali for five years. And this is a photograph of him diving underneath a lot of rubbish and a lot of plastic, specifically in Nusa Penida, um, which is actually somewhere where Shah and I have been. Yeah. Um, and this, the reason we chose this image, not only is it very inflammatory... Uh, and it went viral very quickly. And it was only earlier this year? It was in March, I think. Um, but it actually goes alongside the charity that we've chosen for this month, um, which is something that we want to do every month, is choose a charity to support and to sort of recognise. Um, and this month, we have chosen 4Ocean, uh, which is a charity that was started up by two brothers.
1: I don't know if they're brothers, but M- they're... Men. Two two friends. Two friends. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Called Alex and Andrew, mm-hmm. and they also were surfing and diving in Bali, mm-hmm. and were just shocked by the amount of rubbish mm-hmm. in the ocean, um, which is particularly bad around there. Mm. And Southeast Asia, I think, specifically, yeah. isn't it? It's very bad there. Um, and they started this charity called Fort Ocean, which is actively cleaning the oceans and the coastline. Mm-hmm. And what makes them quite unique, I guess, is that they are also selling bracelets, and every time you buy a bracelet, which I think is about £16... Pounds, yes. You enable one pound of rubbish to be removed from the ocean. That's incredible. Yeah. And, and such a brilliant initiative. Absolutely,
0: And um, to coincide with the charity for the month, we've decided to, well, to undertake an action to go with it. So, for example, this month for 4Ocean, we have decided for a week to keep
1: everything plastic that we use... And try and cut down. And try and cut down. I think
0: the whole aim of the exercise is to try and cut down and to try and highlight how much we're actually using. Yeah. It was actually really difficult. It's been really eye-opening. It's it's sort of not your brain's automatic. It's not automatic for you to go, okay, I've finished with this wrapper, now I'm going to put it back in my pocket. You're always looking for a rubbish bin. And to actually actively Mm -hmm. keep it, and then you accumulate quite a lot of rubbish, is quite
1: shocking. But I think what's interesting is that it has made me think And appreciate local farmers' markets a lot more because Mm -hmm. they don't put everything in plastic like Mm. most supermarkets do. Mm. And just the unnecessary plastic that is Mm. put particularly on food is... Really shocking. It is. And I, when I was at home, I obviously had some mail and stuff that had been sent to me, and there were all sorts of magazines and unnecessary stuff that I had never subscribed to. So hopefully GDPR will have sorted that out. Um, yep, shout out. <laughs> um, but it was just covered in plastic. They had so mm. much, and even a charity that I had given some money to, then sent me plastic around it. And I was mm. also listening to a. Um, interview with david attenborough who had people write into him saying how much they enjoyed his no. series of blue planet oh, plastic. with plastic envelopes oh dear and not you just david attenborough. No. <laughs> <laughs> that's not very smart but what did you think of that episode because i think this has sparked a lot of people's awareness i hope it has um i personally
0: started thinking about the ocean and plastic uh, a few years ago and mm. it wasn't until last summer when i was at um a really famous festival called Glastonbury, uh, <laughs> um, and I—it was the one of the hottest days of the year so far, and I was absolutely dying for—I don't know—I guess a cold alcoholic drink. And I went into this tent, and there was this huge, what looked like a pint of Pims, and I just thought, oh my god! I just thought tunnel vision. And I asked the woman for a straw, and she said, "We don't have straws here." And I went, well, "Why don't you have straws?" Like in a fairly—I was just taken aback. She yeah. said they're the, literally and she at that moment educated me about how bad straws were for the environment and how many plastic straws are used every day yep. all over the world
1: and, and i have now been banned.
0: so embarrassed that i didn't realize and that was only last year i mean it's not even a I year don't. since that and i and actually the su at the uni that i went to have since banned them mm-hmm. so many bars now only have either paper straws prêt-a-manger amazing example of that and leon as well
1: weatherspoons yeah i
0: think they've either banned them or they have paper straws which is incredible yeah um so i mean i think in such a short space of time we've really kind of been educated very severely in what is happening with the
1: ocean uh and I think that the plastic ban not sorry the plastic bag tax that oh was yeah. introduced a few years ago has reduced plastic bag use in the UK by 80% mm, which is huge incredible. and you just what I loved about that though is I think I kind of did this before anyway but the, the toppling groceries Absolutely. that people carry down the street because they don't want to pay the 5 And they want to save lunch. We're all just carrying our lunch <laughs> like back to the office because <laughs> we, we don't
0: want to buy a bag.
1: Exactly. Which is great
0: because I think if the bag is there, you take it, don't you? It's convenient. Yeah. So if you have to pay for it, then mm. actually it's much better. And um, for reusable coffee cups, I'm such a keen... Supporter of that, especially such love pret, such (laughs) love pret. You know, you you um, get fifty p off your coffee if you use a reusable cup. That's amazing. You basically earn it back within a couple of weeks Mm. and. Um, on Friday, I was going into a club and the lady checking bags got really annoyed that I had so much Tupperware in my bags. So I had my <laughs> breakfast Tupperware, my lunch Tupperware, uh, my reasonable coffee cup. And she just said, oh my God, why do you have so much Tupperware? And was like, I'm trying to save the world, okay? Uh, and, one Tupperware at a time. One Tupperware at a time. But again, important to highlight. So I'm someone who uses tupperware who's kind of conscious of that i still accumulated a hell of a lot of plastic absolutely over this weekend so um, we're going to upload that photo
1: as well onto our instagram so we can Mm -hmm. be shamed in front of the world (coughs) (laughs) the the other thing i wanted to um tell you about was that when i saw my godmother this weekend she has been very she's one of those brilliant people who always shares really interesting things on facebook and petitions Mm. and you know photos that provoke you into action and she's been particularly looking at plastic recently and she has been going to her local butchers or her local bakers and when they've served her stuff in plastic she said, do you mind if I just, you know chat to the manager quickly about this? And she's actually now been back and both the butchers and the bakers have given her stuff in paper instead. Mm, And they've got paper bags and they've got... So it's just those conversations. You never know how much change you can make. Plus, as an individual, I think sometimes you feel, oh, what can I do?
0: It doesn't matter if I just, you know, I'm going about my life, it's just one... But actually, that proves that having that conversation and being that change in in yourself is going to spark a lot of people. And it can really wake other people up absolutely. as well. Absolutely, and so one of the so fun fact um, number <laughs> For one. This segment. Yeah. fun, fun <laughs> fact number one was actually if you go to the Four Ocean website, they present you with this horrific fact uh, on their front page, which is uh, which says that 16 billion pounds of plastic enters the ocean each year, which is absolutely horrific. And I thought, okay, so where does it go? And I had heard about this rumor about something called the Great Pacific Garbage Patch, Mm. which is apparently the size of Texas. I did do my research and found out that that's actually true. Um, And it floats between Hawaii and California, um, and it's got the highest levels of known plastic particulates suspended in the upper water column. Now, what that means is that, unlike organic matter, the plastic is photodegraded and disintegrates into really, really small pieces, but still remains a polymer. So they become like microplastic mm-hmm. beads, almost. And so what's the impact of that on wildlife? So fish, all sorts of aquatic wildlife will ingest it, and mm-hmm. it kills them. Um, obviously, as well, some of the plastic just doesn't And birds, degrade. as well? Birds. The whole ecosystem is completely disrupted. Um, and... Also, another fun fact that I found out is that, <laughs> so also in the Pacific, we have, uh, I guess, what is known as the abyss, which is basically just lots and lots of deep, 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 deep ocean. Um, and a plastic bag was actually found 11 kilometres deep in the Pacific, That's crazy. which means that plastic has managed to find its way all the way. 11 kilometres. I mean, it that took me about 50. Four minutes precisely to run the 10k. <laughs> I remember it um, with <laughs> very little training, may I say. Um, so can you imagine how, how far that is yeah. down so into the ocean? Down. And a plastic bag is there. We're going to link. I found all of the sort of scientific articles that l- were looking at that, and I'll link that in the description. Um, so that's kind of ridiculous, um, yeah. and I think one of the reasons we really wanted to talk about it in this episode was that's something that Charlotte and I are really, really passionate about. Absolutely. Um, is the earth and especially the ocean. And I think it's something that this scuba diver in Bali has really, really, really highlighted with mm. one image. And that's what's so powerful about a picture. It says a thousand words. You don't even have to say anything. You can just show the world this picture
1: and we all just think, wow. Wow. We need to do something. Yeah. yeah. Over half the plastic that's in the oceans, I think, comes from five countries. God. So do you want to try and guess which the countries are? Oh, this is a good game. Okay. <laughs> Indonesia. No. Oh, no. I can't believe I failed in the first question. <laughs> China. China. China, yes. Uh, India. Yes. Uh, the other three are all part of Southeast Asia. Okay. Vietnam. Yes. And... Uh, oh, my God. Further oh, over from Vietnam. Korea. No. Nope. Japan. I'll tell you, Should I tell you the last tell, me, tell me, tell me, tell <laughs> me. Um, Philippines and Thailand. Okay. So wow. they're all in one kind of corner of and the China world. And China and India really make sense. Obviously they've
0: got two of the largest populations yeah. in the world. Uh, and, and from my time in, in both China and Southeast Asia, you can actually very much feel that when you're there.
1: Yeah, A I agree. A lot of single-use plastic. I mean, recycling is something that we have... Really built into mm. the way that we live Absolutely. in the UK, Absolutely. and we could be so much better. But we, we also have come. So much but we've also come a long way. I think Germany is twenty mm, percent better. Super um, <laughs> that's super than, um, no surprise <laughs> than the UK. But um, I agree with you. When I've been travelling in Southeast Asia and when we were in Bali together. Mm-hmm. I definitely noticed how much plastic there is on the road and it then just goes into the rivers and then it flows
0: into the sea. They plastic. I mean, I remember, you know, in the mornings we just smell it. And when we were walking around Gilly T, do you remember when we were walking to that beach mm. and you just go past and it was just, they were just trying to burn loads of plastic. Yeah. And it's because so there's just toxic. so much
1: of it. Mm. So it's kind of scary. Mm. So on our action this mm-hmm. month, what did you find most difficult about collecting all the one-use plastic?
0: So, like I said before, I g- generally have Tupperware for breakfast and lunch if I'm working. Uh, if, I'm not wor- if I've not been organised enough to make my lunch, then I'll usually buy something that's either got a cardboard box or what whatever. But what I found the hardest was snacks, and I love snacks. Uh, whether it's crisps, biscuits, favorite popcorn. Oh, favourite snack? Ooh, favorite snack? Uh, definitely a chocolate rice cake if it's sweet, and savoury would be either. Um, ooh, uh, <laughs> popcorn. Or McCoy Salt and Vinegar Crisps, depending on how I'm feeling. Oh, and also Kit Kats all have plastic. Mm. And it's all horrific. It's the snacking for me that got me.
1: Mm. I think it was the almost hidden plastic Mm. in that I bought a carton of soup and it was a paper carton. I was thinking, great, I probably should have made the soup myself. That is the way to avoid plastic. Mm. But We're not all perfect and we don't all have time. (laughs) But then it had a plastic top. Mm. And I thought, Why? Mm. But then I guess, what would they do instead? They guess they could maybe have metal. But... I know. There's just so much. And even, um, there's a really good article that I read um, by Damien Whitworth. And mm-hmm. he was doing a similar thing to us, but he was doing it with his whole family. Mm. And he was saying, I'm going to have a plastic-free week. And see how it goes and what's really interesting about that is he writes down all the costs of things mm. he goes to loads of local london markets which is brilliant but he does spend considerably more than he would have done at you have at to his get to those places yeah especially it's not really accessible but he was talking all about how even on bananas or apples or fruit or whatever it is there are also plastic labels that go yeah. onto those to say oh it's fair trade or whatever yeah. it is And there's just so much unnecessary plastic. Mm. My mum loves berries. And so in our fridge, we
0: always have berries. But if you buy berries from a supermarket,
1: so much plastic. plastic. And actually, us both being veggie or Mm. vegan, because we're not buying meat, that's Mm. a huge amount of plastic. If you buy a packet of chicken or Mm. beef or whatever, and obviously Mm. you can go to your local butcher or your local fishmonger or whatever it is that you have available to you and I think there are so many more options now than there used to be but there is so much plastic in supermarkets yeah it's kind of crazy I think there was the first plastic free aisle and I think it was Iceland amazing did you hear about that earlier this year I've heard that
0: Iceland are going to go plastic free eventually like completely but I guess if a lot of your food is frozen you can do a lot of cardboard because it's frozen yeah Uh, but it's really impressive it's incredible to do that I think yeah, I hope more supermarkets sort of take that on. I think it's also really important to have a look at whatever veggies you're buying or fruit uh, to see where it came from. Because sometimes I pick up berries and it will say, chilli. And I think, wait, why am I eating something from chilli? I mean, that's you had to fly st- yeah. or go on a ferry for however many hours or days or whatever. Mm. When actually, if you eat more seasonally, mm. so much better. And then that's when the farmer's markets come into it.
1: So, my final question is How are you going to approach plastic differently having done this week? Uh,
0: I am going to ensure that my snacks come in larger packets, so bulk. Okay. Yeah. To try and um, save on plastic. To try that and way. save on plastic that way. And to also be more organised in preparing all my meals. Um, mm-hmm. And trying to keep even if even though it is a little bit annoying having tupperware everywhere but if you you know buy a huge packet of chocolate rice cakes whatever it is and then you just take little bits rather than having them individually wrapped it's kind of ridiculous
1: yeah i agree so i think i think what i'm going to try and do is because we have been those weird people this week where we uh, have been washing our plastic when we've Mm. used it and then explaining to everybody what we're doing or at least i have Mm. yeah Um, me too i'm going to try and keep plastic that I have to use until I can find a recycling bin
0: yes I actually did that on the weekend with um some glass bottles um Mm. with some sort of cider and beer bottles we were out drinking in the sun and I was carrying them around for a good 15 minutes before I found a glass recycling bin because actually why put them in the normal rubbish it's it's, yeah such a waste such a waste yeah and I so agree with that
1: yeah. So we would really encourage you to um, give it a go. Yep. Try, Try and think it. about how plastic... Even for a plastic. day. Even for a day. Yeah. Um, also, and get a reusable coffee cup, because
0: then you get 50p off all of your coffee at Pred. Or Starbucks or Costa or anything.
1: Just, <laughs> just definitely get a reusable coffee I cup. Think is really good. Most, I think most of them are 25p. But mm. and you can get you a
0: keep cup or an e-coffee cup, and they're made from bamboo. Um, and I know there are loads of brands that also use recycled plastic to make those as well. So it's not as if we're just buying more plastic
1: and have a look at four ocean our charity yes. for june absolutely thank you so much for listening to the second episode of the figure and thank you for all the support and feedback we received from our first episode we really appreciate it you can get in touch with us on gmail we are the figure podcast at gmail.com or through twitter or instagram we are at figure podcast also like to say a massive thank you to Teddy and External Complex for producing our podcast. And the final thing that we would like to share is an update on Justice for Nora which we talked about last week. Yes. And
0: um just to quickly update you, um the petition now has over 1.2 million signatures, which is amazing because when we first uh, heard about it it only had 200,000, so that's really great. Celebrities like Naomi Campbell and Emma Watson have really got behind the campaign, which has enabled uh, her defence team to appeal her death sentence, which they did on Thursday, which is great. So we're going to be, we'll keep you updated as to how that goes. But if you haven't signed the petition, please do so. We're going to leave the link in the description of this podcast um, and please share it on all of
1: your social media. Um, For anyone who didn't listen last week, this is the petition which is um, speaking out against the execution of Noor Hussein, who has been... Mm-hmm. Who Sentenced was subject to yeah, death for... Self-defence in
0: marital rape, um, yeah. basically. So uh, if, that, if you could do that for us, that would be our takeaway message.
1: We'd for also encourage we... you to look at 4Ocean, our charity mm-hmm. of the month. And
0: purchase a
1: bracelet, which I'm going to do
0: tomorrow. <laughs> 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 on that note. Yes. Oh, and also, if uh, you find us on Apple Podcasts, to help other people find us on Apple Podcasts, please uh leave a review and rating and subscribe we would so 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 appreciate that and it helps everybody else find the podcast yes most importantly until next week until next week